Welcome to the Supergirl Supercast. I'm Michael Gabriel doing host duties for the first time today. And joining me to talk about Season 2, Episode 19, Alex, are Trish Matson. Hello. David Schaub. Happy to be here. And Dan Drush. Howdy, hey. So today, Trish has offered to do the summary. So we'll start with that, and then we'll get into it. Okay. The episode starts with Maggie negotiating a bank hostage standoff, and suddenly Supergirl shows up, punches a hole through the roof, rounds up all the criminals, and beams cheerily at Maggie. Maggie is not thrilled. Later, there's dinner with Maggie, Alex, Kara, and Monel, and... Maggie says maybe we don't always need Supergirl to fix the policing problems, and Monel says something stupid. <laughs> anyway, it ends out with Kara walking out, Monel walking after her, Alex walking after them, after a few words with Maggie to tell her that she's just going to try and fix things. And then uh, later we find out Alex never came back. And it turns out, after investigation, that an old high school classmate of Alex's and Kara's figured out that Kara was Supergirl and kidnapped Alex to force Supergirl to break out his old man from prison. Kara continues to be a censored knuckle brain who tries to punch her way out of things. And uh, Maggie objects, but then eventually Maggie tries to break the old man out of prison, and Kara talks him into telling them where where Alex is, and that's the A plot, pretty much. The B plot is that Mom L is continuing to inveigle Lena Luther into working with her. Lena figures out that Mom L is an alien, but inexplicably decides to work with her on the matter transmitter project anyway. All right, great. Thanks. So um, we all discussed ahead of time that we want to kind of take this A plot first and then B plot. So uh, let's get started on talking about the A plot. Who has thoughts? I have so many thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) First thought, Kara's a jerk. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But she's a consistent jerk. Like Mm -hmm. she's, she's, she's being a jerk in the way she always is, which... She, and, and and it's the thing that they always say about Kryptons, and and she is one, and it it it's there's consistency there. She does what she thinks right, and she she has she feels the uh, the power and the moral authority to do it, and uh, she's not always right, as we find out many times this episode. <laughs> but yeah, I do I do actually appreciate that. You know, just like uh, Mom L and and Kevin Sorbo kind of proved uh, the stereotypes about Daxamites. Kara is proving the. Daxamite stereotypes of Kryptonians. Yeah, she's she's certainly not above reproach. Definitely not in this episode either. And I mean, really, if we kind of go along the order of the plot, that comes across really early, just with her breaking into the hostage situation, which uh, I feel like is maybe the first time they've really brought in the relatively common criticisms of superheroes that come up in comic book stories, which is like, you know, sometimes you're just complicating things by getting into situations where the police have probably got it handled. Right. All the petty robberies that we've been complaining about, uh, why can't the police handle this? And finally, we hear the uh, about the Supergirl defen- defense that criminals are starting to use involving evidence contamination, vigilante justice, and similar things. And I was going, yes, 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 finally, uh, because I've been complaining about this for a while. Uh, it did give us one of my favorite exchanges of the episode, though, where Maggie complains, you never look before you leap, and Kara just 
yells in response, because I can fly. So <laughs> wasn't quite getting the metaphor there. <laughs> no, no, she really was not getting the point. <laughs> and uh, Monel's ham-fisted uh, defense that really kind of just made ended up making things yep. worse. <laughs> I, I wrote that down. Sometimes it's better to punch than to talk. <laughs> he he tries. The point of Monel is that he tries. <laughs> he certainly does. Yes. I was sad he was not in much of this episode. Yes, I was a little disgruntled later on in the episode when he was consolingly telling Kara that they would find Alex and literally all he was doing was standing around in the DEO with his arms crossed. That was it. <laughs> this episode had a much reduced cast in a lot of ways, and I would argue it almost should have had a more reduced cast, but we'll get to that. Yes, we will. Um, so, you know, we're, we started off, we talked about the argument, we think that that's pretty, you know, makes total sense. But going off of that, it's pretty clear right off the bat. I mean, I know that when I first saw Alex get into the elevator, I immediately thought, wow, that guy looks sketchy. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't until a couple of scenes later that we find out I was... Right, and viewers, any other viewers who thought that were like, yep, that guy was sketchy, in fact. They never explained how this guy managed to take down a trained DEO agent. There are a few things they never explain about him, like uh, how he was blocking, you know, John Jones's psychic stuff. Like, right. I don't think that's ever actually explained. Yeah, that, that, we, we could actually get into the whole plot line of how much better this episode would have been had John not been in it. I, mm-hmm. uh, this, this episode had the, the biggest... We have this huge plot hole. We don't know what to do with it. We're going to hang a huge lantern on it and just pretend it's not there. Yes. And it's it's so unfortunate that they didn't just write John out. Because, yeah, they have this thing where they say specifically, he's blo- he, uh, I'm trying to read his mind. He's blocking me. I don't know why. That's it. That this one line makes no yeah. sense whatsoever. And it could have just been helped by just not having John around. And it's just because mm-hmm. then nobody would have thought, oh, wait, we've got a telepath. The question should always be asking. We have a telepath. (laughs) How can we use it? Yeah, because they they specifically used it when they were interviewing his dad. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Kara's like, oh, how'd you know he was telling the truth? I read his mind. But even then, they they didn't need John there. And every other use of John, they basically screwed it up. Yeah. And actually, I I have a question about... Um, why was Kara in the room for that police interview? Because it's like, <laughs> hi, I'm from this government agency. She's from the police. And here's a reporter for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that kind of drills down to the long running thread where Kara's just really bad at her secret identity. Um, really? You know, she's yeah. really bad at it and she has no impulse control. And it it's a little bit curious because she's had her powers for a while. You'd think she'd be able to resist beating on tables and things because I'm sure this is... You know, I understand her sister has been kidnapped, but I'm sure that there have been many occasions where she would have blown her cover by now if she just, every time she gets angry, she, like, breaks a table or a chair or something, you know? As our fearless editor, uh, audio editor Seth said on Slack, why doesn't everyone from their high school know that Kara is Supergirl? And then as Dan replied, why doesn't everybody know she's Supergirl? It's super (laughs) obvious. Yeah, she's she's really not taking the lessons from... What I hope Superman has done as far as keeping his secret identity safe. Although she's, I guess, compromise, compromise him quite a bit, too, at this point. So, ah, well, that's enough complaint about Kara and her secret identity. But yeah, going back to uh, who was it who asked about why she was there in the first place in the meeting? Oh, that was me. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Dan, I, I agree. That makes no sense at all. 
But <laughs> so I, I don't really have a problem with her being in the room. The thing I had the problem with is it's like, okay, okay, she could be in the room. But why do you tell the guy? It's like, oh, she's a reporter here. Because you could just not mention why she's here. Yeah. That's what they do in most shows. I think they really wanted to give give uh, the P- Peter Thompson this, this this chance of being really chill about whatever's going on. And, and uh, maybe just to set up the fact that for some reason he and his son are just really chill people and and will uh, run with anything and and maybe, maybe that was something there but it i i think realistically she was there to get upset and to give maggie one more chance to try and tell her to chill and calm down and not get in the way of getting stuff done and, and i think that really is all that scene really accomplished which is one more chance to give maggie Maggie a chance to tell Kara you have to change in this beha- this behavior this behavior isn't working and hopefully on the hope that Kara will eventually figure it out and uh, she does later on sort of yeah I did not like the resolution of this episode at all I, I have to admit I really liked this episode now I may have just really liked it because other than for the whole John plot line for the most part the good guys the bad guys everyone generally tries to do something in a way that makes some amount of sense very frequently everyone is making different decisions and all of their decisions are accurate or right they're all reasonable choices people are making choices and they are sometimes right they are sometimes wrong people sometimes make mistakes but in in some regards i really quite like that all of the characters were seem to be relatively true to themselves and um there was a degree of intelligence in what, what everyone was trying to do. I don't quite understand why Rick is so shockingly capable. Mm-hmm. But it's nice having a, having a problem which seems to be a problem of cleverness rather than just hitting harder. Yeah, I, I, I generally agree with that. My problem is actually with basically the last five minutes. And I think that the Kara and Maggie roles for the resolution should have been reversed. Absolutely. Such that... You know, Maggie was the one who convinced Kara to not like break him out of jail, and Kara learns the lesson because that was basically the setup of the whole episode. You know, Maggie's like saying, "Oh, we shouldn't do this rash stuff, shouldn't do this rash stuff," and then all of a sudden, Kara learns the lesson and has to teach it back to Maggie. It just yeah, it seems to me like they're trying to set up a false equivalency where like, hey, they both get to learn something from each other. You know, in this situation, Kara learns a lesson from Maggie, and then Maggie learns, oh. Sometimes impulsiveness just happens or something, but I don't, I, it's, it's really not compelling. Uh, I, I totally agree. Like it, this really should have been a situation where no, Maggie was right. And that's the lesson. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> ha- having that turn of Maggie and for some reason, Maggie suddenly stealing all of the DEO equipment to break in. And for some reason, why they think a police officer could break someone out of a jail. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> well, it totally didn't make sense for character reasons because they had shown that Maggie was so good at interrogating people and figuring out their motivations. And so she should have been the one to come up with the argument for the dad that if you let Alex die, your son will be an irredeemable monster, basically. exactly, And that totally should have been Maggie's uh argument and putting mm-hmm. it in Supergirl's mouth just did not make sense at all. No. Like I said, yeah. the, those roles definitely should have been reversed. Somebody just, you know, labeled the labeled it wrong in the script. Yeah, but uh, so along those, I mean, while I think we all agree on the botching of that, I think there is one thing that Rick tried to get at earlier when he was talking to the two of them uh, after their first interview. And he says something about, you know, 
I guess we'll see which of you loves her more. And I'm really glad they didn't actually bolster that more because it just really seems a sort of a ham-fisted attempt to manipulate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as far as I can tell, even on rewatch, it really didn't turn into some kind of competition where they're like, well, I love her more than you love her and so on. There was a little bit more than I'd like, but yeah, well, ni- ni- neither should they have done it. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they didn't fall for it. They didn't fall for it. Right. Yeah. I didn't think that Kara was t- making her decisions because she thought she loved Maggie more. I think it's just that Kara tends to think she's more important than anybody else in the room. And I think, sadly, people don't tend to call her on it because it mm-hmm. is she is probably the most powerful person in the world, in, in, the, in the room. And uh, unfortunately, that means she, she uh, goes ahead and takes the decisions into her own hands a lot of the time. Yeah, I also wrote down, Kara's surrounded by a bunch of enablers. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, yeah. I'm thinking about the the speech that John gives her when she's on the balcony, and that she's not wrong. She was doing what she thought was best. Yeah, but she's rushing into things. That is not the thing to do. But in some cases, yes. it might be. Like in some, in, this this is the thing where I like the episode. Is I mean that conversation was the the crux of the episode. That that mm-hmm. uh, I can't punch my way out of this. That there are situations where that doesn't work. But even going back to that original police scene. Supergirl may be right. Had she not broken in at that very moment, it might have gone south. Someone else, someone might have died. She she is in the position of, I have this power. If I don't use it to the best of my ability as quickly as I can, I'm then to blame for something going wrong if that didn't happen. Like They're always in the situation where how do you make the choice? I agree that this episode is all about... Car is supposed to has to listen to Maggie and you have to you have to respect other people who may know how to do policing better than you do and when you can't just punch your way out of it but that the, the crux of the crux of the episode is is that com- conversation with uh John there yeah I was really mad because John basically blamed Maggie for for the dispute he said that Maggie was lashing out and no one can blame you Cara for doing what you thought was right and I said oh yes I can <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was my exact response as well um and uh, so, David, going to what you just said about the uh, about the fact that, you know, sometimes she does need to use her power sometimes, sometimes quickly. I think the issue maybe poorly made here should have been along the lines of make sure you're at least communicating it, you know. Uh, and this is actually highlighted at the very, very end. I have a note like why did at the very end when the timer runs out and uh, Supergirl and, you know, Maggie are both rushing to save Alex, even though time's over. Why does she bring Maggie and why do they go through the front door? Like, that's exactly yeah. one of the situations where you should have, like, Maggie kind of, like, glance and nod to Supergirl and then Supergirl just zips off and does it really fast, you right, know? Yeah. And that's I, the situation. Yes. I wrote down, why did she open the door and started running to search instead of flying through the entire thing or using her x-ray vision? Well, the answer is yeah. we wanted both of them there to... Mm-hmm. See Alex, but, right. but 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 yeah, poor choice in that regard. And that would have been a great way to use them as a team, sort of realizing like, hey, now's the time for you to use your powers and rush in. You know, is like, but we agree on that uh, on that moment, and because there are times, but generally it it's not hard to get someone else to acknowledge that it's an appropriate time. And especially Supergirl working for the DEO, she should generally wait until she's given the nod to do something, because there are entire organizations that she could be undermining if she doesn't know what's going on. Mag- Maggie is almost in the right the entire episode. Um, Supergirl's actions are understandable, but Maggie is right. right. And, and, yes. and, when Ma- and at that point where Maggie basically rips into, into Kara, 
saying that she, she, Kara is not respecting that she has her feelings in this, and she is the one who has the skill regarding this, and and just rips her for rushing ahead and causing this, causing the situation to get even worse. She's absolutely right, mm-hmm. and it's a mm-hmm. great scene. Yeah. So what what else do we have to talk about in the main uh, a plot here? Uh, well, we touched on it, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about. DEO is not the police. DEO does not sweat civil rights or or police procedures or anything. Mm-hmm. I know they 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 asked Maggie in because she was involved, I'm sure. But I mean, at the end when they decided that when they were talking about what to do with Rick and John basically said he was going to mind wipe Rick. I was disturbed. Is that a yeah. thing? Is that standard operating procedure? It sure sounded like it. Yeah, that that was, I wrote that down because it was like, uh, what? Nobody's got a problem with this? Yeah, they just kind of all nodded and, yeah. and it was very interesting. Which does actually draw back to another point that I forgot about. Uh, very early in the episode, Monel says to the DOs, like, well, why don't we just go in and, you know, break... Uh, break the guy out and everybody of course is like well we can't give in to uh, we can't negotiate with terrorists we can't give in to blackmail but nobody it's not like you have to leave him with him (laughs) like you could you could uh fake break the guy out take it to him and then just capture them both right right that was the thing that most annoyed me about the other every scene with john john almost annoys me in this episode Um, (laughs) because the first one where he can't read his mind there's the last one where he can wipe his mind but he can't read it still makes no sense and then absolutely the ep- no sense the the one in the middle where john does the thing where pretending to be peter thompson and all he had to do was leave with him mm-hmm. and, and there was the, then there was this desire to put this pressure to get the answer right now it's like no just leave go do whatever who cares right you have hours and hours you <laughs> know hours and hours fly away so like it, it was just another another point where boy this this episode would have flowed better if John wasn't in it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and it's not like they if they had gotten the real guy out, I'm sure the DEO could have pulled that off, gotten the real guy out, had a tracker on him of some kind, and you know monitored them from satellites actively or something so that you'd see them every step of the way and then just pick them back up again because as however competent the guy has been because as he made sure to emphasize over and over he planned this for a whole year, a whole uh, year. <laughs> It's not like they would have been able to stay away from them for long if the DEO decided, hey, we're just going to temporarily give you this guy until you make we have Alex back and then pick you right back up again. I don't know. It, it was not compelling, but I agree, David, with your general sentiment where most of the characters' actions made sense for them, mm-hmm. most with John being the exception. Yes, not not necessarily reasonable decisions, but character consistent decisions. Yeah. And I have yeah. to say one more thing about the DEO. Why did they let, let Rick keep his watch? He kept referring to his watch and telling people, you know, your time time is running mm-hmm. out. But that watch could have been some kind of controller, like, you know, a smartwatch or something. Or, I mean, even normal police would take a person's watch away um, <laughs> I, I... if he were in jail. And, you know, that's not even considering the fact that it could be enabling secret hideaway controls <laughs> it could be blocking john's mind this this whole episode feels like they had an idea of what technology did but it's actually the laptop and turning on and off voice chat that <clears throat> is entirely beyond me what actually was going on there for when they <laughs> could talk to alex and when they couldn't talk and mm-hmm. who's why why they couldn't eventually track down the ip address 
Well, like they gave him the laptop and he hid a few keys and and so that they could talk to Alex. Couldn't they have like recorded that key combination and talked to her as <laughs> much knows? as they wanted to? My, my headcanon for that is that it, that is his laptop and he's just unlocking it or something. But weird. Well, yeah, I don't but know I why mean, I after that he unlocks it the first time, can't they do it for themselves? Probably. Uh, so one of the, because I'm sure they have cameras that just watch his keystrokes, if nothing else. Right. One of the things that does remind me, though, of is how amazing Alex's MacGyvering is in this exactly. episode. <laughs> I, I have this yes. written down multiple times in my notes. Alex does awesome MacGyvering. <laughs> so Alex is the best character in the episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. In my view. She, she is uh, amazing yeah. in that cell. In that cell. So, yeah, I mean, there goes uh, from ripping out her tracker to hook it up to this IP-based webcam. Which, for some reason, when it pings Win, it pings him with a software update request instead of just being like, hey, Alex's tracker's online. I'm not sure why that was. Someone tried to write that well. They didn't quite pull it off, but someone really tried. <laughs> <laughs> like, it had to, they had to make it go into a reset mode or something. It had to go to do a software update, but who knows? But darn, it was yeah. cool. Yeah. Also, I like that the uh, the IP address of it was 192.168.1.1. <laughs> it's a local ip address yeah it's coming from inside the house (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh yeah that that was great and then of course just her making the floats from her pants and one it was her pants right yes yes and so cool the uh the conversation between alex and maggie what do we think of that the uh, the conversation where they uh, they tried to have it over the phone like when she asked to talk to maggie yes yes the gertrude conversation i liked it yeah i i think it it really just it keeps cementing that their relationship is moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's nice. Uh, and the fact that she kind of revisits the conversation after the fact to say what she actually wanted to say was nice as well. But uh, and I guess along this thread, though, we have the the general conversation between Kara and um, and Maggie. And uh, you know, we already talked about the issues we have with how they actually spoke to each other. But at least it sort of gets wrapped up in the end, so this won't be continuing source of uh, tension hopefully mm-hmm. but i don't know do you, any of you have anything else left to say about the a plot or do we want to move on to the b plot the only thing else i'd add is they took, took one of their main female characters they put her in a tub they had her take off her pants and she was wearing perfectly reasonable non-titillating underwear i was really impressed yes mm-hmm. and black so that if her pants ripped she wouldn't be spotted I, don't know. <laughs> I was i was just impressed by the decision in the costuming yeah. Some admirable self-control on the producers, which, exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. ideally we would see this in all the shows, but it <laughs> makes sense for Supergirl to be the show we're seeing it in, uh, especially. Especially for Alex as a as a person and as a DEO operative, that certainly seems like the clothes the, she would have been yes. wearing. They were tactical underwear. Very tactical. <laughs> just tactical one more underwear. minor point on the A-plot, not really, but... I just want to know how you set off a smoke alarm when you get delivery pizza. No, the, no, the joke was that Alex was trying to make dinner and burned it, and so they had oh. to order pizza. Oh, okay. She was trying Thank to make you. paella. Thank you for explaining that to me. Only Monel can cook. This is apparently the rule <laughs> in the show. So actually, when you guys last week were talking about, oh, um, on Slack, you were talking about, oh, Mon-El, before I listened to the episode, I thought you were referring to uh, Monel in his new domestic uh, role. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. Man, there's all it's, it's a multifaceted term. But <laughs> I actually feel really bad for them because, I mean, I like pizza as much as the next guy, but paella is real good. So they missed out. But going from that, since we just brought up Mon-El, let's go into this uh, B-plot. How do people feel? 
I have to say, Terry Hatcher does a great job at seeming very, very evil. True. She really does. It, it's a wonderful... I, I was surprised by the B-plot because I was waiting... There's this whole thing of... Um, I remember when watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you always get this thing where you see something happening and you figure it's going to happen like next season or two episodes from now and it happens 45 seconds later. And this is the thing <laughs> where, okay, Rhea's trying to trick Lena. Lena is going to figure this out at some point. No, she figures it out right now. Uh, apparently, no, there are no polytheistic religions on Earth. Um, <laughs> but then they then recover from that and that makes any future... Uh, that makes that relationship tighter going forward. And I, I, I kind of liked how they, they had uh, that, that relationship go up and down even here to try and cement that. Yeah, that was a nice a nice way of having beats just within that minor B-plot. Um, the reference in the dinner conversation, which, by the way, they were having dinner in a nice restaurant, except there was no food. <laughs> that bothered me a little bit. So they were just sitting there with their glasses of water or whatever. So uh, I was interested by Mamel's manipulation, where she gets Lena to talk about uh, her bad relationship with her mother, and Mamel acted surprised, uh, which I thought that was a false note from the beginning, because given all the media coverage there must have been of Lily and Luther and everything, um, how could any person who you know, has any kind of awareness of the world, not know that that would be a sore spot with Lena. So, but Lena did not call her on that. What Lena, anyway, and then uh, Mamel talked about the bad girlfriend who made her lose her son and husband. Um, but then, uh, then Mamel said something about thank the gods. Um, and yes, uh, no, no polytheism on earth, apparently, because Lena suddenly knew or suspect <laughs> she was it's also a brand new element in her plans right uh it, it's very clear that Mamel did a, a lot of research into because i mean she was talking about graduating from mit and and so on and so she did her job uh she did her her kind of her homework yes uh and and she did a great job like you said trish about planting lie or planting Making sure all of her lies had a kernel of truth to them. I, right? I, I would take that further. Everything she said is true. From her I, point I, I of don't, view. I don't. I don't. No, no. It, it, she leaves things out. But in the in the first <laughs> right. part of this conversation, the first part before Lena figures out she's an alien, I believe everything she says is true. And then she gets caught. She admits the additional fact that she had left out before, and everything she says still is true. I mean, she's still mm -hmm. leaving out that she's evil. <laughs> You're right. It's, it's deception, not a lie. It, it's, so. Yeah, but it's but it's. I, I quite liked how tightly they seem to be writing that. That she is building lies, but they are all, everything she says is true. Yeah, and and this really does because you know we have the sort of mini betrayal where uh, where Lena gets upset for not being told that she's an alien, and then it wraps back around towards the end, and this kind of builds on some of our discussion points from last week, where it really feels like they're setting up. The fact that Kara hasn't told Lena she's Supergirl uh, as a as a source of tension later, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I am a little bit upset with the way that they established that they used the phone call between Lena and Kara. Like it makes total sense for Lena to call Kara for advice because yes. she's her friend. Yeah, 
and it was totally reasonable for Carter to be like, hey, now's not a good time. I'll call you back later. Mm-hmm. And it's only a few hours pass. But in that time, Lena makes up her mind and says that, like, she didn't need any help. Like, what possibly could have changed right. in the couple of hours there? Also, that second phone call, it didn't make any sense because Lena called Kara just to be like... Well, she, she was... She was checking on her friend because she was like, you sound yeah. upset. I'm just checking to make sure you're okay. You know? Uh, and I, I mean, I've gotten calls like that from friends before. Right. But like, the, the thing so. that didn't make sense to me was she did that with Mamel sitting in the room. Oh, absolutely. Just to make, yeah. just to do the reveal. So are we pretty sure that Mamel targeted Lena deliberately knowing that Lena is an associate of Supergirl? Not just because she's a rich, powerful CEO. I think it might be a side benefit that she'll use to her advantage, but I think she needed her because of the generators that she mentioned. The, mm-hmm. the, uh, the whatever generators that... The magical that MacGuffin. El- yeah, the magical MacGuffin technology mm-hmm. that Lena's company already has. Um, she needed... Because I think that actually comes up in the technical conversation about how they would use those generators mm-hmm. to power this magical transportation technology that will assuredly cause you know... The city, Kara, and probably the world having to have to, uh, it'll turn them into having to deal with some kind of major conflict. So yeah, it, we'll see how that really goes. It's really unclear what Rhea's plan is. Like that, that the, the con is entirely, like, well, all, all we know are the things she hasn't told Lena. And we, there's, who knows what that actual plan is. Like, I would think Kara upset me on Earth, so I'm going to enslave the entire planet. Maybe. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think Lena is tech-savvy enough that if this were just a giant bomb that she were being tricked into building, she she would figure that out. So I don't know what this thing uh, is actually going to to do. Well, it's the gate. The The plan is, I think, just to build the gates that we already see, like the one the DEO has. That wasn't, right. wasn't that what was on the screen. So it looks like they're basically building up stargates. But what they want them for... I'm guessing it's for an invasion of some kind. Um, I mean, we know that they have influence over that prison with a bunch of aliens, right? Right. So they could bring in not just Daxamites, but other people as well, um, just because, you know, Monel spurned his mother. Mm-hmm. But I guess we'll see soon enough. I mean, we only have three episodes left in the season, right? So it's really closing fast, I feel like. But um, I mean, how do we do we have any other thoughts on this particular B-plot? It's relatively small. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a, a writing problem there where Lena has already changed, her, has already made that decision between the two phone calls, which is unfortunate. But I, I think they just really wanted to give that point where Kara could have stopped whatever horrible thing is going to happen. Kara was given that chance to stop it there. And it's just the writers really wanted to have that beat where uh, Kara could have stopped Ray and Lena getting closer and having this happen. They just wanted to make sure that one more case, had Kara stopped for a moment and listened, she could have stopped some bad things from happening going forward. And I think they just really wanted yeah. that beat. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate to me that it comes off the way it does, though, because it's like, well, no, when someone is dealing with such a high, highly stressful situation, they're probably not in the best position to give advice anyways. So Kara probably, given what she knew, she probably made the right decision. But eh. yeah. well, we'll see how it goes. I, I, I get the beat, though. I, I acknowledge that that's probably what the writers were going for. I want to talk about security at L Corp, or rather, <laughs> the lack of security at L Corp. Now, this is a theme that goes back all the way to Smallville, where Lex was constantly having people walk into his mansion, bash him on the head, kidnap him, etc. Uh, uh, basically, he, he moved between powerful 
mastermind and damsel in that show. And now here, here at the very beginning, when right in, in the uh, previouslys, I thought, you know, with, with uh, Mamel showing up, uh, Lena has sucky security, just like Lex. <laughs> um, and then uh, in the middle of the episode where Mamel arrives from the elevator and, and Lena says, let me uh, scan, you, scan your thumb so I can give you an elevator pass so you won't have to be escorted <laughs> on the elevator. I was laughing because uh, what security? Where? I've never seen security at El Corp. Um, and- it just makes me think of this week's episode of Arrow, which... Yeah, I agree. That was, I was going to bring that up, too. <laughs> How did Ray even get in at the end of the last episode? She made an appointment, didn't she? Uh, I maybe I, I, because I, they do mention in this episode that uh, Lena is going to get Ray a an access card so she doesn't need an escort on her way up. But of course, now she can just teleport to her balcony. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a curious thing though because I mean, how high can our standards for security be if like Star Labs and the Flash and the Bunker and Arrow have pretty much no security to speak of and people walk in and out all the time. Uh, I feel like office buildings can't in the same universe or I guess a parallel universe um, can't, uh, can't be expected to have reasonable security either. So uh, at least they're being consistent. Well, you know, it's, it's funny, but it really breaks me out of the show when I stop and think about how implausible that is. Well, they do also have Maggie regularly walking into the DEO and James as well. So Clearly, they, uh, their universe is not as security conscious as ours. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you have, uh, you have any points that we haven't touched on? Uh, no, I think that covers it. So I feel like we don't have a lot of in, 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 any more specifics to go on over this episode, but we can probably, now that we have some breathing room, talk a little bit about how we think these plot threads are coming together for the final stretch, because you know we only have a few episodes left. So anybody have thoughts or expectations? Uh, I'm interested by the fact that as well as business partners, uh, Lena and and Rhea also, according to Lena, are becoming friends. And that contrast with the uh, with the friendship between Lena and Kara, I, I feel that we're going to be seeing a lot more parallels and comparisons between that between those two so-called friendships in in the uh, next few episodes the tensions that you were mentioning before about lies and secrecy and who's really your friend. I wonder, going back to what David brought up, um, you know, kind of tying the line all the way back to uh, to Buffy and how in this, in this show, and even I think a lot of the time it happens in The Flash as well, where sometimes plot beats that we expect to take a lot longer happen much more quickly. Mm. Uh, I, w- I wonder if they might have that whole resolution happen in the space of one of these episodes where the secret comes out and then, you know, she's upset for briefly, but then it turns out like, no, Supergirl is a good guy after all. And the even though she was outright, you know, lying to me at times and not telling me about her identity, she's still clearly the person I should be lying with. I mean, maybe they'll go down that route and that could happen pretty quickly, but we'll see how that goes. Any other thoughts on next few episodes and what we hope for? I just hope it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have both the last two podcast episodes now, we have talked about how we appreciate character flaws being consistent. So mm-hmm. so hopefully hopefully, stupid things the characters do make sense from the perspective of the character, even if they're not the right things to do. 
Yep. That's true, and that's a good point. There are a lot of shows where people just make stupid decisions just to drive the plot along, but here, it, I, I do feel like most of the things that they're doing are coming from, from character-driven reasons. As mm-hmm. Erica Ensign uh, likes to describe it as carrying the stupid ball, um, there was not a lot of <laughs> stupid ball carrying in this episode, and I like that. I, ho- I hope we see no more stupid ball. <laughs> well, uh, any any final thoughts from anyone? My only last thought would just be what it, uh, part of the story which I like, which I hope comes more clear in the in the finale, is Superman and Supergirl stories are are clearly hard to write because they're so powerful, and therefore. It's very important not that they win, because in theory, they can easily win. Winning isn't the hard part. It's it's how they win, and can they do it without hurting anyone, good guys or bad guys? And and I hope we start seeing sort of Supergirl taking on that challenge of, yes, I could just bash my way through this, but but can I win well? And, and that's where I think you see a, a strong sort of Supergirl stories is uh, when they have to win well. Yes. Yep, I, I agree completely. Yeah, I, I I was a little displeased about who did what and how it resolved, but overall, I'm really happy that they did an episode basically centered around the fact that you can't punch your way out of everything. Dan, any last thoughts? Yeah, just to carry on that, they used the phrase, punch your way out of things, a lot this episode. <laughs> <laughs> they did indeed. So on that note, we are going to punch our way out the back of this episode <laughs> and uh, and sign off for the week. So uh, thank you so much uh, for talking today, Trish Matson. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> David Schaub. Thank you very much. Dan Drush. Thanks. It's been fun. And I'm Michael Gabriel, and it was a pleasure to host for my first time. Uh, until next week, keep uh, supering, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>